0: Amen to that. Um, So our first scripture reading comes from Mark chapter 9, verses 30 through 37. Listen for God's word to you. They went on from there and passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him. And three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying and were afraid to ask him. Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, for on the way they had argued with one another who was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all, and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them, and taking it in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one such child in in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. Our word for us, thanks to be to God.
1: Would you pray with me? Holy God, thank you for your word. I pray that you would open our ears and our eyes and our hearts to the message you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, a few years ago, C.B. Beal from Justice and Peace Consulting posted, Rules for Children... In the worship service. The post went viral really quickly, and I think it has a lot to teach us. So I'd like to share some of these rules for children in the worship service with you, and perhaps we should adopt some of them here at Fort Street. So take a listen. Number one, if you find that you are sitting in front of a child and they can't see, lean to the side. Number two, If the children seated behind you are rustling papers, hand them a crayon. Number three, if there's a baby that is crying, offer to take the baby from their parents and walk to the back of the church and rock the child for a while. The parent really needs a break. Number four, if the teenagers are whispering, give them some smarties. The rustling and crinkling will replace their whispering. Number five, if an adult complains to an usher about the noisy children near them, offer to trade seats with that adult and then apologize to the parents of the children. Number six, when a child is running around giving everyone high fives during the time of passing the piece, make sure to give them an extra fun high five and then high five the next five adults that you see. Number seven, if a child has worn tap shoes to church and is dancing on the wood portion of the floor, slip the sheet music for the entertainer to the pianist and roll with it. Number eight, when a, when a child can't hear because an adult around them won't take off their puffy jacket and it keeps squeaking and distracting the children, offer to help the adult off with their jacket and go hang it up for them where it goes. And lastly, number nine, when the three-year-old insists on standing on the front pew turned backwards, looking at the rest of the people, give the child a pair of very dark glasses. That will prevent the child from catching any adult's eye, which would lead to distracting them. This will protect the adults who, as we all know, have very short attention spans and are easily distracted. Those are some pretty wonderful rules, right? This consulting company had consulted with many churches and other faith based nonprofits, and all of these groups were constantly saying, We want to attract new young people. But then, if and when they did get new young people, young families, teenagers, children in their doors, sometimes the worship space didn't actually feel very welcoming after all. So, CB wrote this list, sort of tongue-in-cheek, but sort of serious as well, and said, the point of this is radical inclusion of children in circumstances frequently presumed to be for adults. I have found, by the way, that Fort Street is a very welcoming place for children. But by nature of what we do and of the space that we're in, it can very much still feel like a space for adults, can't it? At the end of our scripture text for today, Jesus makes a radical statement about welcoming children. Jesus and the disciples have been on a journey up until this point, and as they're walking, Jesus is speaking about what is to come, his betrayal, his death, his resurrection. It says that the disciples don't really understand it, but even with all of this intense thing in the air, they decide to talk about something else. They're trying to discern who is the best among them, what their ranking is, who is the greatest. They know that this conversation is wrong because when they get to the house and Jesus asks them what they were arguing about, they're silent. They avoid eye contact and kind of twiddle their thumbs, and they know what they've been doing is wrong. But Jesus knows, and he uses it as a teaching moment. So he gathers the disciples and they sit, and he tells them whoever wants to be first needs to be last. And then to illustrate this point, he calls over one of the children from this household and he invites them to sit with them and into his arms. Jesus says, when you welcome a child like this, you're welcoming me and you're welcoming God. Now this moment with the child is actually much more scandalous than we might realize. In our current context in this country, by and large, children are seen and valued and considered. And we still have a long way to go. We could talk about things like the foster care system, public education, children at the border, criminalization of minors of color. But compared to the first century, we at least see children today. When we read that Jesus called a child over and embraced them, we think, oh, what a precious moment. But at the time, people would have heard and seen this situation with raised eyebrows and skepticism. In this culture, in the time of Jesus, children were socially invisible, not considered to be real people at all. We can get an indication of this with the story of the feeding of the 5,000. It says that Jesus fed 5,000, and then there's this little side note. Oh, by the way, that was just the men. There were also plenty of women and children there. They just don't count in our totals. In this time, children were meant to be neither seen nor heard. And so in this household where Jesus is with his disciples, the kids should have been tucked away somewhere with the women. They definitely should not have been among the men, and they absolutely should not have been among a respected teacher while he is teaching. But Jesus calls the child over into the inner circle and then into his very arms. The scandal and the tear of this moment reminds me of that viral video of the political professor giving an interview for the BBC, and he was interrupted when his toddler came marching into the room. Did anybody see this video? It is fantastic. If you haven't, look it up afterwards. It's a very serious interview, and this man is Skyping in from his home in his suit, And midway through, the door busts open and his toddler just comes marching in like this, and you can see the tear on everybody's faces. That was sort of the feel of this moment. What is a child doing here? This is a serious place. This is not for kids. Jesus shows them, actually, children are welcome here. Even before they can be productive members of society, Children are human beings made in the image of God. They have value and purpose and worth. And in fact, to welcome them is to welcome me. The disciples and us today are more concerned with connecting themselves with the people who are important by the world's standards. People who can get them places people who might raise their own status a little bit, people who might pull them up one rung on the ladder of greatness. We all do this. I remember my first week at seminary, the president of the seminary hosted a welcome event at his home. And so at this reception, there were professors there and all of the new students, and we were just sort of milling about getting to know one another. And I noticed something really interesting. People were in conversations with one another, sharing their background and their academic goals, but they were always looking around and scanning the room beyond the person they were actually talking to. Their eyes were darting from group to group, And they were constantly looking for maybe some other, maybe more interesting, maybe more powerful people that they might talk to next. Many people were eyeing the president and hoping for some face to face time with him. Others were trying to wedge in next to a professor to maybe try to impress them and get some opportunities throughout their seminary career. There were a whole lot of conversations happening, but not. A lot of true connecting. There's a lot of ego and inner debate about who was the greatest. In the midst of his disciples arguing about who is the greatest, this is the point when Jesus brings in the child. To truly welcome a child, you have to look them in the eye. And to look a child in the eye, you often have to squat down and get on their level. And when you're down on the ground, you can't be climbing any kind of social ladder. Kids can't give us status. Kids can't really give us anything back. They're not going to make us great or famous by the world's standards. But it turns out the way we treat the youngest among us is a reflection of how we treat other people who are often ignored or overlooked in our society people who we can't expect to get anything back from. Because this isn't really just about children in the end. For Jesus, this was also about women. It was about Samaritans. It was about tax collectors. It was about sex workers. It was about criminals. All people who, through the course of his ministry, Jesus offered radical welcome to. Recognizing their personhood, looking them in the eye, and truly listening to them. Think of people and places in our world today where human beings are ignored or made to feel out of place or invisible. Sometimes it might be children in a beautiful sanctuary like this. I know it is often people who are living on the streets, maybe asking for food or money or maybe just resting on the corner We know from our own programs here at Fort Street that often people who do not have homes have real struggles in the physical side of it, but the harder part is feeling ignored and invisible. Like people won't even make eye contact with you or see you as a person. I think also of people of color in what sociologist Elijah Anderson calls the white space, As he describes it, overwhelmingly white neighborhoods, schools, workplaces, restaurants, and other public spaces which people of color often consider to be informally off-limits or dangerous for them. Where are you limiting space for a certain status? Where might you be holding back on radical welcome? Garrett and I have a nine-month-old daughter, and we are in the midst of baby-proofing. Naima is starting to crawl. She's really great at crawling backwards, not so much forward. But she can still get anywhere in a ridiculously short amount of time, to cords, to stairs, to anything you might imagine. And so we are learning a lot and doing our best to baby-proof our home. And the best piece of advice we got was this. Get on your hands and knees, get on the level of the baby, and just look around. You'll see things when you are down there that you would never think about or see by standing up. It's pretty great life advice in general. Welcome, children. Get on their level. Look in their eyes. Notice the hazards that might be there. Listen to them. Recognize that the image of God exists in them, even before they're productive. To welcome children and others does not mean that you have to cater only to them. To welcome children or others does not mean that you have to dumb anything down. To welcome children or others doesn't mean you aren't considering the needs of everybody else. It simply means that you see humanity Acknowledge people as fellow image bearers of God and respond to their presence. So who is the greatest? The one whose only concern is to be present with those who often go unnoticed. The one who sees the image of God and those who are often overlooked or cast aside. We're called to be people of radical Welcome even with people who can't do anything for us. In the kingdom of God, our systems of greatness are turned upside down, and when we practice that kind of radical welcome, it is a rehearsal for heaven. Would you pray with me? Holy God who welcomes children, thank you that you see all of us just as we are, before we're productive, before we contribute, before we can offer any kind of greatness. Allow us to be the people who do the same with those around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.